Speaking the language of leadership. Read by the author and coach, Colin Luthard. Part 2. The Realization. Chapter 6. Gaining Height. Wednesday, January 27, 1902. The Airbus A321 was climbing rapidly from Arlanda into the clear night sky and gaining height by the minute. It had been a cold winter day in Sweden and the clear evening sky allowed a good view on the snowy landscape around Stockholm. Looking out of the window from his seat, 7A, the coach could see the illuminated city of Stockholm below. He could make out the lights of the streets, the trail of the cars and the houses, and he tried to guess which of the open white spaces were frozen lakes, snowy woods or fields. It appeared to him that the things changed their appearance so quickly once the plane had left the ground and climbed into the sky. Saltwater channels out into the Baltic Sea displayed an amazing intensity of blackness against the otherwise white landscape. A line of ferries decorated the black channels. The vessels were negotiating the tiny passages through the islands. The ships, with all their deck lights, made them appear like huge Christmas trees lying flat on the ground. He could make out six ships in total. Three were leaving Stockholm and the other three were entering the archipelago from the north. The coach admired the scenery from this height, as it was not often that the flight offered such a perspective of Stockholm and its archipelago. He thought that it was not often that he was offered such a view from a high perspective for any other things in life either. He wished the management team at GGC would develop the same perspective of things on their journey for the next period. Monday, February 1, 9.13. Marcus Daum jumped up from his chair and dashed across the hall to the conference room one. He had nearly forgotten that they were going to meet 15 minutes prior to the management meeting every Monday and discuss their journey, as they called it. He hurried along the corridor. He didn't want to be late. Entering the conference room, Krista greeted him cheerfully. Good morning, Marcus. Morning, Krista. Glad to see you here. That moment, Philippa joined them. Morning! She looked around at Marcus and Krista. Where are the others? Let's give them two more minutes. After all, I almost forgot myself, Marcus admitted with a chuckle. Marcus looked at his watch. It was 9.20. Okay, I'll call David. Krista, can you call Carl? Marcus dialed the short dial on his phone and got a ring signal. Hello, Marcus, David replied. How are you? Fine, we are waiting for you in the conference room, David. Oh? Yeah, we said 15 minutes earlier than usual for our journey together. But, David paused, I'm coming. And he hung up. Marcus turned to Krista. He's on his way. What about Carl? The same. He hadn't expected we were going to start this Monday morning already. At 9.25, the management team was complete. Morning, everyone. I guess this is a small lesson in how things can go. Marcus was self-critical and open about his thoughts. We had our first session with the coach last week and we learned a lot of things about communication already. When we said that we were going to meet 15 minutes before our regular time to review our journey of the past week, it looks like as if I assumed that you would all know that I meant we would start with that the next following morning. 
At the same time, I nearly forgot myself, my own commitment, to be here earlier for our review. This only tells me that we will need to focus on these things deliberately, together, if we want to have the results we expect. But even worse, I have not reviewed any of the things that we had spoken about last week. Looking back at the past week, what have you experienced after our meeting? One by one they admitted that the session with the coach was very interesting, but the actual work had to be done in the office. That was challenging, they thought. It looks like this is going to take more than a minute, Marco said. This week we start. Next Monday we do our first review at 9.15. Do we all agree to that? Everybody agreed verbally. Okay, let me tell Jenny we are ready to start with operational part of our management team meeting then. Wednesday, February 3, 10.01. Carl Gruen saw the display on his phone showing David's number. He knew that David was in Germany that week and he was surprised to get a call. Hi David, how are things in Germany? asked Carl politely. Fine, thanks, David replied. Normally, David would tell more about what was happening at the headquarters in Germany right from the start. Carl liked David's open and spontaneous approach in conversation, and he always enjoyed speaking to him. But this time, David's reaction appeared to be much shorter than usual. Carl was irritated, because he despised people who got to the point too quickly, and at the same time he was curious, because it was so unlike David to behave like that. Carl wondered what it could be. What's up? I am quite upset, David said. He had a harsh voice. He sounded really in a rage. I was in a meeting here in Frankfurt, talking about our new DC430, and, and they asked me if we were going to use the new test and simulation procedures they were introducing from GenConvert. I said I was not sure. Then they said that there was going to be a training session about the new procedures at DGC, and that was going to take place in February. I knew nothing about that. I got here and they said they were looking forward to the training and so on. I had no idea about this, what they were talking about. What's going on? Take it easy. Take it easy, David said. You made me look like an idiot here at the headquarters in Frankfurt. They even showed me a mail from you with a copy to my project manager, Robert, confirming week three of next year. David was not calming down a bit. And I don't even know about that at all. Okay, okay. Look, David, there must have been some misunderstanding here. We will take it when you are back in the office. Carl realized that he needed time to talk to David when he was less upset. Fine, don't do that again. They must think we are a real chaotic bunch up here. David hung up. Wednesday, February 3, 8.04. Carl was sitting in his office, reading his mail. From David Swart to Carl Grün. CC, Marcus Daum, Robert Bloor. Subject, bad communication. It read, Carl, when visiting headquarters in Frankfurt this week, I have been confronted with an agreement made by you that concerns the planning of R&D projects. Making it even worse is the fact that this has happened before. It is unacceptable that anyone from production and supply commits R&D resources to any kind of activity without my involvement. I expect you personally to take care of all measures to ensure that this does not happen again. Best regards, Wendiger Helsinger, David Swart, Manager R&D. Carl finished reading the mail and he felt his stomach tighten. 
His right hand formed a fist and he slammed it on the table. His desk jumped with the impact. Carl was mad. What was wrong with David, he asked himself. Why did David overreact like that? Carl thought. All he had done wrong himself was move the project along faster. This should have helped, did you see, to advance on their processes by inviting GenConvert to show them the latest on testing and simulation procedures. That could secure the quality of the new DC430. They all knew that this was important for DGC. But David was blowing this up. This mail from David didn't make any sense to Carl. He didn't see why he was doing this. This all seemed so absurd after the session with the coach just the other day. It felt like being blackmailed in front of Marcus. He had to get to the bottom of this. Tuesday, February 9, 927. David Swart, the R&D manager, was already sitting in the conference room 3 at GGC waiting for Carl. Carl had invited David for a meeting to clarify what had happened. And David invited his project manager, Robert Bloor, too, who had received a copy confirming the training date for Carl. David thought, like this, all people involved could be present and talk about the situation. Carl entered. Morning, David. Then Carl looked at Robert. Why are you here? Carl felt hostile towards David. They had still issues to clear. Having another person in the room did not appeal to him at all. Carl sat at the other end of the table facing David and Robert, folded his hands in front of him on the table. Looking at Robert, he said, This is somewhat unexpected, David. I thought, Robert is involved in this anyway, so he could just as well be here too. David turned to Robert. Is that okay for you? Robert didn't really know what had happened between them. He had only seen the mail from Carl to Germany confirming the training date. He was not aware of anything else. He was innocent. Sure, not a problem, Carl sighed. He couldn't just get at David and accuse or criticize him for writing the email and abusing him. He had to find another way. Fine, he took a deep breath. This is what I think this is all about. The Germans are running the simulation software that allows us to improve our testing process and production. They offered us to demonstrate the software. I know that this can have an impact on the final design of the product, but my intention was to get the knowledge into production and do this as quickly as possible before we start producing larger batches of the DC430. Not knowing about this made me look like an idiot, David barked. When were you going to tell me about this? My intention was that production should get to know about this as quickly as possible. I guess... I could have informed you about it at at the time, but not only just telling Robert about it, you know. Carl nodded to Robert. Absolutely, that would have been best. David's voice sounded softer. He could see that Carl's intention was right. He had just missed being informed, but that had hurt. Carl, I guess I was overreacting a bit. David continued. When the Germans told me about the training that I didn't know about, I felt really bad. I don't want them to get the wrong impression of us. We are not that bad as it looked. Okay, okay. We're good about this then, okay? asked Carl. We're good, David said. Robert said nothing. He was amazed at the willingness to reconcile. He had not seen that at DGC before. Tuesday, February 9, 10.02. David Swart left the conference room and was on his way to the office. Walking along the corridor to his office, he was engulfed in his thoughts. 
He could have done the meeting differently if Robert had not been present, but it would have been odd to ask Robert to leave after I had invited him, he thought further. Actually, David was mad at himself for his own impulsive reaction to Carl's behavior in the first place. After all, Carl had only missed to inform him by copy of the mail or during the management meeting. The rest was just purely driven by his own feelings. When his feelings took over, he had not stopped and thought about it as the coach had recommended. David had just let his feelings take over. This was a good example of what he needed to change, he realized. Tuesday, February 9, 10.02. Carl Gruen was sitting still in the conference room three after David and Robert had left. He had wanted to reflect a moment before diving into the daily action again. After all, they had just started this journey with a coach to become a team, and this was an occasion to stop and think. He was wondering if he had given in too much on David, or if he had lost the battle. But then, which battle was there to win in this case? It was just a feeling that was left, but he was not quite able to grasp it. What had happened, he thought to himself. Then it dawned on him. He had gone into the meeting with intention to tell David what he thought about him writing the email with a copy to Marcus, but he had got thrown off his track by the presence of Robert. In the end, David got to say how he felt in Germany, and they could reconcile on that issue. That was good, Carl thought. But for himself, he never got to say how he felt about the mail that David had written back, with a copy to Marcus. Carl still felt that David was on top of him. And this feeling was exaggerated by the fact that he didn't even know what Marcus thought about this mail. He concluded that the best thing would be to address this issue in the next meeting, when they got together to talk about their journey. Monday, February 15, 9.16. Marcus Daum greeted the management team to the weekly management team meeting, 15 minutes earlier than before, so that they had time to reflect on the journey's events from the previous week. Marcus smiled at everyone. Good morning. It looks like we're all here this time. Thinking about our journey and last week, how did it go for you? Everyone looked at each other, hoping that someone would start to speak. Marcus realized their hesitation and started to set the frame for them. Does anyone mind if I start? he asked them. Go ahead, Carl replied with delight. I was thinking all week about what happened last Monday, Marcus started. The fact that I assumed that you all knew what I expected, yet I was not sure. What made it worse, I didn't even know that you didn't know what I expected. He pulled out his memory card from the model of the four sides of a message from his shirt pocket. This is for me the most important thing right now. I have to make sure that I cover all four sides of my message when I'm talking to you, so that you don't make assumptions for this and for the things I don't say. For instance... If I asked you to reduce the overhead cost by 10%, but I don't repeat why this is important or what I expect from you as a consequences or how we shall proceed in achieving the goal, you in return, you will make all kinds of assumptions. You might think that headquarters is not satisfied with our results, that they have changed their strategy, or I want to be more ambitious, or the economical forecast has changed, or that one of your colleagues is burning cash on the other side and we need to compensate as a team. All this you can do based on existing previous information and experience or assumptions that are not relevant in this situation. He paused and weighed the memory card in his hand. Then he continued, The other thing is, it is also hard to know when you miss on any of my four sides of a message. So if you notice 
that you are making assumptions because of lack of information, I invite you to stop me and ask me what I mean, what I expect, or how I feel about certain things. Do you think you can do that? I think that is a good idea, David spoke slowly as he gathered his thoughts. But that means that we have to be aware of when and what we assume ourselves. That is not always easy. But I am willing to give it a try and be more aware of what I do. What do you think, Carl? He looked knowingly at Carl, hoping that Carl assumed he wanted to pick up the ball from their conversation from the week before. Carl looked at him blankly. If you are trying to hint at something, please be more explicit. There is a risk that I don't get it and I make wrong assumptions. David turned to Marcus. Carl and I had a little argument about an email that he had sent to Germany about some training. I think I overreacted and sent an email back to Carl with a copy to you. Thinking about the four sides of the message, this mail allowed for many assumptions which we need to clean out. Frankly speaking, this is what I think about such emails, Marcus turned to everyone. And I'm not referring to the mail concerning you and Carl specifically, because I don't want to go back and listen to what one said and what the other did, and be a judge over what should be right or wrong. It is a total waste of time, and it does not contribute to any good working climate in a company. You have either direct communication with the person involved, or you don't. I don't want emails with CCs or BCCs sent around the company with people trying to create opinions about something. I don't want to read mails where people try to leverage on someone's position, and I don't like people delegating problems upwards. If you have an issue with someone, you deal with it yourself, and you do it directly. Nobody needs to know. If you think that you have tried everything to resolve a problem, and you get stuck, then you can come and ask for help. But only if you think that you've really tried everything to solve the issue together. But, but you still need to be informed about what is going on, right? Carl asked with hesitation. Sure, and I see a difference between informing about what is going on and what has been achieved to creating alliances and involving someone to judge or decide what is right or wrong. I expect people in our company to take responsibility for their goals and their actions and get it done. If they need help in doing their job, we can coach them. But as a leader, I don't want to do their job. What do you think about this? I think I see what you mean. In such situations, it always feels like you get dragged into something you don't really need to know or shouldn't know. And then in the end, you are forced to take a decision or judge something or someone you don't have the background or information about. David was getting the point. Krista recognized it too. And because of that, in the end, you know there will be a winner and a loser if you go in and play the judge. So we have to change our approach too and not encourage such behavior. That is exactly what we need to do. Marcus was pleased that they saw the benefit. What about you, Philippa? I can hear what you are saying. It is just so different to the way we have been working before. I have to think about it more deeply. That is okay. Perhaps you want to contact the coach before we meet in March. Or he can help us more the next time. Marcus looked at his watch. Anything else before we go and ask Jenny to join the meeting? Carl looked at David and said, I think it was good that you were clear about your expectations on us. That helped a lot. Absolutely, David nodded. He felt much better too.
Friday, February 19, 1637. The finance manager, Philippa Ask, was reviewing the project reporting templates she had introduced a couple of months before. After being in use for six months, the templates were still neither fully accepted by the project managers in production, nor within the project managers in the development department. Something had to change, she thought. People knew about the new templates, but they were not just using them. Such ignorance made her furious. She had to reinforce commitment from David and Carl on this issue in the next management team meeting, she thought. She was interrupted in her thoughts when someone said, Philippa? She looked up and saw Lars standing in the door. Do you have a moment? Philippa looked up and said, Sure, Lars, come in. What's up? Philippa, I'm having a problem with one of our subsidiaries in the group. What kind of problem? Lars took a chair in front of her desk and sat down. It's like this. We had a joint project with a special device for one of their important customers. We supplied them with this customized device and invoiced the cost for the device to them. But now we're not getting paid and they're rejecting the invoice and our emails claiming the marketing should take the cost for that. Philippa took charge of the case immediately. We don't do things like this, she leant forward on the desk. Send an email to them right away and tell them to pay for the cost that they caused us. Put me and CC on the email and tell them if they don't pay within the next interval, I will be in contact with their finance director. That will help to sort things out. Then she leant back in her chair, crossed arms and said, Anything else? Um, no, nothing more, Lars replied. Thanks. Lars got up and left the room slowly. Philippa watched him leave the room. She wished that her people had more energy, she thought. She always had to show them how things were done, and she was getting tired of it. She turned back to her computer and recognized the memory card that the coach had given them on the four sides of a message that was lying half-covered by her keyboard. She pulled it out and stared at it. She felt the heat rising in her as realization grabbed her by the neck. What had she done? she asked herself. Oh my, Philippa said quietly. She opened the drawer to her desk where she had laid her travel guide with the notes from the session with the coach. Then she opened the travel guide and took out the stop sign and stuck it between the keys of a numerical keypad. You have been listening to a chapter of Speaking the Language of Leadership, read to you by the author and coach Colin Lutart. If you would like to know more about Speaking the Language of Leadership, or the method presented in this book called Its Four Sides of Leadership, and reach out to me, Coach Colin, then you simply write an email to language at itsfoursides.com. That's language at itsfoursides.com. And we'll take it from there. Take care.